Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. My name is Tammy Thomas. I am your host and the founder of the 360 brand. Today, I am also excited to have you here because it's the first episode. I am delighted to be joined by the absolutely wonderful Nicola Ray Wickham, founder of A Life More Inspired. Nicola is a certified NLP practitioner and through A Life More Inspired, she does creative coaching, supporting women to dream and do, to bring their dreams to life and step into their authenticity. I've worked with Nicola a number of ways and she is the real deal. I could literally gush about Nicola all day long, but instead of doing that, let's step into our conversation. Oh, what an introduction. Well, <laughs> fitting, very fitting. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to be here. It'd be your first one as I well. Know. <sighs> okay, so I am Nicola. I'm a creative coach um, and what I do is basically hold space for women to create the ideas that are on their hearts and in their minds, helping them to get out of their own way, deal with fear, helping to build confidence um, and basically give birth for a better um, word is to give birth to their ideas because Mm -hmm. I know that those ideas are going to make a difference. They're going to change the world in some kind of way. And it doesn't have to be like an overwhelming change the world type of thing. Like we don't all have to be Oprah. But even if it's just an idea that is going to impact one person, that is so important. Um, So, yeah, that is what I do. So that's what you do. Could you tell us a bit about how you do it? Let's go back, actually. Um, I want to know how you do it and how what you were doing before, because you haven't always been the head honcho of A Life More Inspired. Something led you there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started off uh, when I graduated from uni. I went into fashion and I went into marketing. So marketing is what I've always done alongside everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started off with my main career. And I still do marketing consultancy now as well. Um, but yeah, I started off in fashion marketing. I went into Arcadia Group and loved that. Loved it for a few years. And then I got to a stage, I got to a Monday morning meeting and everyone was like panicking because a dress hadn't sold. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I just don't, I like, I love fashion and I want to wear it, but I'm not going to have a heart attack about the fact that dresses are those kind of bigger things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the point when I looked at my bosses and realised that I didn't want to be them, I didn't want their positions, I was like, well, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. So then I moved over into the public sector because I thought I'd be able to give back. But it doesn't always work no. like that. Anyone who knows public sector and especially communications within the public sector, you kind of just become a bit of a political mouthpiece right? rather than the giving back that I wanted to do. So um, but I stayed there for a long time because I um, it just fitted around life. And then I was trying for a baby mm-hmm. and that was a whole journey in itself. Um, and then I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. And on maternity <coughs> leave, I um, started doing freelancing. Mm-hmm. 
which seems a bit crazy. Well, that back then it seemed a bit crazy because everyone else was using their maternity leave for maternity leave. Now, <laughs> women go on maternity leave and build these huge empires. empires. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's, there's a bit of pressure to do that sometimes. Um, but I started freelancing and then in starting my own business, I was helping small businesses with their marketing. I kind of embarked on my own self-discovery journey that led me to want to do coaching so I got certified and started doing it with a life more inspired. So, but it was definitely all of my life experiences mm-hmm. have been culminating to where I am now. Yeah. So the fact that it was really hard um, for me to conceive a baby and keep a baby um, and some of my other things, which I'm sure we'll go into, has led me to this point. So, yeah. That sounds really brave because there are lots of people um that have dreams and fantasies and ideas about changing career or starting a business but get sucked into this I want to say trap but maybe that word sounds a bit um negative but they just get stuck into this process this routine of getting up going to work moaning about it not being happy getting paid paying bills perhaps having enough money to go on holiday and really fearing losing the security that comes with almost wishing your week away um but there are lots of people that just aren't brave enough because the idea of change is really scary for many people we're creatures of comfort aren't we um mm. and the idea of being totally responsible for your finances or not generating finance um can be really nerve-wracking for people so that was really brave especially given that you were working in an environment which is um like quite traditionally people understand that I work in marketing and communications for the Arcadia Group or for local government. Mm -hmm. That's solid. People are like, okay, I know exactly. They can connect Mm -hmm. with that. They can um, identify. Um, So, yeah, so I I really have a lot of admiration for people that are able to take control of their lives, really. I'm not saying that everybody needs to start a business. Yeah, you know what? For me, I don't feel that brave and when I was doing it I didn't feel that brave I did do it it's not like I just gave up my job and went to do it Mm -hmm. I like when um after I went back to work after mat leave I'd gone back Mm part-time so it was gradual and like I said I still do marketing consultancy now so the way that I worked has definitely changed like it's not a traditional nine to five in an office um so because the marketing consultancy is freelance Mm -hmm. and so it it has changed but the point when I had my daughter it gave me the permission I thought I needed to make the changes that I'd always wanted to make. Yep. And now I look back and it's like, why did I think I needed that permission to go part-time? It's mm-hmm. like, I can only go part-time when I'm a mum, mm-hmm. when really I could have gone part-time earlier and kind of worked around it. Um, so that was one of the things. But also, I've always had a deep knowing that I was going to do stuff. Yeah. So it was going back. I didn't know how, but it was kind of tuning into... To that as well yeah. I do have a supportive partner so I, I don't want to like make out like I went flying on my own mm-hmm. and I do um, have a supportive partner as well but I think it was just that someone said to me actually a really good friend of mine said to me on your last days 
like what story do you want to tell and that has stuck with me mm-hmm. so much like even now when I have to make a big decision or even sometimes a small decision it's like what story do I want to look back and tell do mm-hmm. I want to tell the story of that oh yeah I had this amazing idea or there were all these things that I wanted to try but I didn't mm-hmm. or do I want to tell the story that I tried them and then who knows maybe they went well maybe they didn't but at least I've I yeah. want to be able to tell that story. And that means so much to me yeah. that that was what maybe made me brave or made me be able to to do those things. Mm. No, so I it can... was, yeah, it was a culmination of lots of things that got me to that. Yeah. I don't always feel brave because I'm scared most of the time. I think that, though, um, being brave... Like, I think people think being brave is like having, you know, this big cape on. They're like, yeah, I can do it. Um, But sometimes I think that the real bravery is being scared and doing it anyway. Um, Because, you know, I think a lot of us, a lot of us can relate to fearing things for whatever reason. But not all of us can say, despite the fear, I'm still going to give it a go. I remember when I was on maternity leave in 2007, I had a similar feeling in terms of I now had permission to try and freelance and also to um, look at working part time. Well, at that time, there wasn't all this stuff about flexible working. And when I contacted my um, head of service for working part time, the first, her response was, what do you want to go part time for? Followed by there's no room for working part time here. Um, and third off, there are plenty of people with um, children that work full time. Wow. So that was it. It was it was shut down um, totally. But during the um, maternity leave, I had tried um, freelance work, but I was really fearful at the time about having a child and not having regular income to be able to do all the things that I need to do. Um, Not what led you to. But what did you do to transition? Because you were working in a job that um, a career that has quite a bit of prestige and you didn't, as you said, you trained. What led you to, well, what training did you do and what led you to that particular type of training? Um, It kind of started with me going on my own journey and discovering this whole world out there of um, like online businesses, um, of online marketing and coaching and me being coached as well. So I always believe like just because I'm a coach and a mentor, I always have a coach. Part of mastermind groups, I've kind of got support around me definitely. And seeing that happen and being asked the question like, do you love what you're doing? And does it light you up and things like that made me reevaluate and say, actually I'm doing the marketing the, the business, the first business I'd started was called The Social Stylist, mm-hmm. and it was helping wedding businesses specifically with their marketing. And I was doing it because it's what I knew. Mm-hmm. It wasn't um, what I love. Mm-hmm. And there's a really good book by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap. And in that book, he talks about your zone of genius um, versus your zone of, what is it now? I think it's zone of excellence or mm-hmm. something. And through that, I really identified that I was working in my zone of excellence. So I was working in what I know, mm-hmm. what I'd like worked at for the last, by then it was like 10 years I'd been doing it. It was like my bread and butter. The marketing was my zone of excellence, but it wasn't my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what 
lit me up. It's not what kind of would get me jumping out of bed in the morning and looking forward to going through my to-do list. Mm -hmm. It wasn't where I really shone. Um, And then that's when I kind of had to be brave in giving up what I know to go and do um, what I didn't know, but I love. And I knew I'd been good at it because I was trying it out and experimenting. Uh, that was that was the leap and I did have lots and lots of conversations with my coach at the time saying yeah but I know like I can get clients doing marketing and I know yeah I know yeah <laughs> I know there was certainty there was certainty yeah um and then once I'd kind of like dabbled with more mentoring to mm-hmm. start off with I was like I need to get certified in this um I know there's lots of people that coach without certification and I think that is fine kind mm-hmm. of go do you but I wanted to for yeah. my own um, confidence and learning. So I trained in NLP, mm-hmm. which is neuro-linguistic programming, which is just a way of being able to retrain the mind. Mm-hmm. It recognizes that we've got a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. And so it tries to change the patterns within that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, but now within my coaching mentoring style, I bring in lots of different elements into it and really made it my own. Yeah. But that was how I kind of got there. I know from personal experience that um, your coaching and mentoring and the other um, skills, practices, practices and beliefs um, you pull in to underpin your mentoring and coaching and consultancy um, really works because I have first-hand experience. I'm here doing this podcast because of working <laughs> with you um with your support and just absorbing your content um so I'm really grateful for it and it's something that perhaps a few years no not perhaps for sure a few years ago I just never ever would have been interested in but um you have quite um an interesting an interesting story behind that because you used your practices to get you through difficulty um do you mind sharing yeah yeah so it really started when um I was trying to have my daughter so I it was it kind of actually started the day before my wedding um I got a letter from the doctors that said that I have an abnormal reproductive system and the day before your wedding the day before my wedding. So six weeks prior <clears throat> to that, I had to have an emergency operation to have an ovarian cyst removed. Wow. So that had happened and yeah, it was an emergency one. It happened, they took it out. But when they'd opened me up, they realized that I had this abnormal reproductive system. But I got the letter telling me this the day before my wedding. My goodness. I know, it was, yeah, um, which was really hard. Mm. But I was able to kind of, with my best friend's help, I was able to kind of park it, get on with the day and had a lovely day. But I really think that them, I remember that distinctly the consultant put in the letter that if this patient manages to conceive, which is highly unlikely. Whoa. I know. And as I was a woman who always knew that I wanted to be a mother, like it was going to happen. Um, I couldn't see my life without that really happening. It was devastating when I read that. Um, And then we went through a year of trying to conceive and nothing happening. And then I had three really quick miscarriages. Blimey. 
which was so and, and it was I mean miscarriages are hard anyway but on top of the fact that you know you've got this abnormal reproductive yeah. system and it was all kind of and I went into this complete frenzy it was all I could think about mm. it completely took over my life and it was at that stage I started exploring so my friend introduced me to um crystals I was doing Bikram yoga. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Ibiza on a girl's holiday, which ended up being quite a spiritual holiday as well as like partying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, that's when I remember we went into the old town and it was sunset and my friend looked at me and she said, Nicola, whatever it is you want, you need to believe that it's going to happen. Mm. So you look up into the sky and you affirm it. And it was then that I started to, to really start to change the way I thought about life and mm -hmm. about things and I realized that me reading that letter from the doctor had become a self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. from the moment I saw that it was going to be hard that was the story I was telling myself like this is going to be hard yeah. and then it really was um and it was then on that holiday I was like actually this is going to happen like when I go to that deep down place I know that this is going to mm -hmm. happen and I started throwing at it all of the tools that I kind of talk about now um, I started meditating, journaling, and really thinking positively about it. And the next, literally got back from Ibiza in the September and I conceived in that October. Whoa. I know. The next month I conceived. And it was funny because at the end of the year, we'd earmarked it that we'd start like going down the fertility treatment route mm -hmm. if um, nothing had happened. And you know when you just have this knowing that this one was going to stick yeah. and it was going to be okay. Yeah. So, and it was, and I had a beautiful daughter, but after that whole experience, I was like, things are going to change. Yeah. And I had this inner confidence in myself that if I, I really felt like I had had a massive hand in creating this. Yeah. And I just thought, well, if I can create this, I can create what I've always wanted yep. to create. So that was kind of like what kickstarted a lot of it. And then kind of running alongside that, um, which really kind of developed on my journey, is that I've got a birthmark on my left eye. I keep looking for this. You ain't going to find it, love. There's some good camouflage makeup here. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a birthmark. And it, it's funny because it's not actually, it's called a birthmark, but it actually appeared when I was about four years old, which wow. is the same age my daughter is now. Yeah. So it had the added complexities of, I remember when it came. Wow. And I distinctly remember my mum's face, like any mum would be concerned, mm -hmm. looking at me like mm -hmm. really closely, like, what is this thing that's coming up on your face? And then going up to the doctors and everybody looking at me. Um, and it made me become incredibly shy. Like I was, I, I hid. I then want, I, because I didn't want anybody to notice. Yeah birthmark yeah um and it then dominated me up until I was 16 years old and I got camouflage makeup yeah so I was so shy that at school the teacher would um call the register and say Nicola and I'd say yes miss and that was probably the most I would say all day wow definitely through primary school it just changed me mm -hmm. like and I had this awareness of if I hid myself then no one would notice the birthmark and therefore I wouldn't get bullied because of it. Yeah. So I, I just made myself kind of be able to disappear. Um, 
And it wasn't until last year that I really realized the impact of that. So at 16 years old, I got the camouflage makeup and then I came out of myself, discovered boys, <laughs> partying, <laughs> like life started. Of course. And the camouflage makeup became my, it was like my support. Yeah, my like a shield. Yeah, like I wouldn't <clears throat> answer that was one thing that made me nervous about going to university, moving out. Mm-hmm. It was like, shit, I'm going to have to have my makeup on all the time. All the time. Yeah, meeting boys. I was waking up in the morning. Oh, like, my gosh. Makeup, waking, like, it was on my mind constantly. That was quite nice about, like, finally telling my now husband. Because um, then I could relax a bit. When did, it, when did he see this? He didn't see it until about six to nine months in. Blimey. And that was like a big deal, me telling him. I was so scared. So I'd never told a boy before. And um, so wow. I was really, really nervous telling him. How old were um, you? I was, we met when I was like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. Yeah. So you were not necessarily emotionally, but age wise, you were a fully fledged adult, nervous <laughs> about talking about this birthmark. Absolutely. And then I, I vowed to myself that he would be the last time, person that I ever told. I don't know why. why. I, I, I was just so, even like the doorbell would ring and I would have to rush to find my glasses to put on if I couldn't get to the makeup. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. do the makeup to the door, which wouldn't have been possible. My goodness. <laughs> so he really dominated. And um, I was at a retreat with the lovely Susie Ashworth. Mm-hmm. Um, was it last year? And she'd asked us a question. She said, um, what is the one thing that you're so scared of admitting to yourself and other people? And I thought I was going to go in there. I don't know what I thought I was going to talk about, but I ended up telling these 12 women in the room. about. <clears throat> so from like, not telling anybody else in the whole yeah. wide world, you told 12 people, bam, one go. Yeah. Don't do things and by half. And all the work I'd done on myself yeah. that led to the point where I was like, when I was confronted with that question, I knew that that's what it was. Mm. I knew that that was the one thing that I was so scared of other people knowing. And I had to give that honest answer. And I didn't know what the outcome of it would be. But what it did do was absolutely free me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because hiding is exhausting. I was just about to say, so Nicola was on the panel of an event that um, as part of Motherhood Reconstructed, um, I organised with, um, in, co- in collaboration with Jessica Huey, PR maven, author, all that good stuff. And you talk so passionate about hiding, being so consuming and so draining. And I can see where that came from. And I think that I, I definitely really connected with that because um, my version of hiding was being strong and was being um, emotionally disconnected and pretending that things that were affecting me weren't affecting me. And um, when you were talking about it being so draining, I was like, bloody hell, yes, it is so, 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 so draining because you're taking up so much space, hiding and concealing, you can't be yourself. Like you're just never, ever being yourself. And um, it has been freeing for me 
um, in in a number of ways. But it also um, it also encouraged me to take ownership, take ownership of my stuff, um, because I'll say it's because of this, it's because of that, it's because of this thing that I'm running from or I'm hiding. But ultimately, not in a sort of um, blaming way, but it was it was down Mm. to me not taking Mm -hmm. ownership of these things and just casting it out and hiding it. But it was like a shadow that follows you yeah everywhere exactly Um, and I love that you share that because I I knew I needed to share about my birthmark for me mm. in that room when I was asked that question but I then went to share it more widely and the reason I did that is because everyone's got their version yeah of it so mine was a physical thing on my face yeah but everyone has it can be a metaphor for us all as women like everyone's got that thing and I'm not saying you need to go on social media like I did or <laughs> contribute to your mate's book and yeah. write your story yeah but in in sharing it but acknowledging it to yourself yeah. even if it's just you and your journal yeah but actually getting it out there yeah is is so part of the process of being free from it and yeah. like you said seeing what comes on the other side mm-hmm. of that yeah no totally totally I think that um as a society, we have a tendency to just keep going and ignoring things and um, actually taking some time out to be introspective can help your contribution to the world be so much better because it's real, it's authentic. Like I, I previously, for me to, I could cry if something happened on Disney, I could cry if something happened in a film really quickly but if it was something to do with something real something very personally emotive um I would feel like I want to but Mm. I just couldn't and then transitioning to acknowledging that um I had become my work my work had become me I was analyzing the joy out of everything um and sometimes not sometimes, very often performing with my representative rather than with my true self. Yeah. Shifting past that and being able to strip those lever- layers, which is, you know, a constant thing. It is, you know, a constant evolution. I'm by no means saying that I'm there, but I'm definitely not where I was previously. I'm bloody crying all the time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it does, how does that feel? Most of the time it feels really good. Most of the time it is a release or it's an expression of joy and it never lasts. I don't know. It's almost like I thought if I start, the floodgates would be open and then I'd I'd just be like a massive river of my tears. Yeah, it would never, ever end. And, you know, it, it has been a real freeing experience. And what I've noticed is that a lot of your work is about freeing yourself and not being not not being trapped by a self-fulfilling prophecy changing that self-fulfilling prophecy so one of the prophecies that I had about my work and it gave me such a great excuse it's a really weird one but I've heard other people say it so maybe it's not that weird I haven't done it because I'm lazy I'm just Mm. lazy that's why and that was my excuse it was fine I moved on to the next thing because I didn't do that because I'm, I'm lazy and then in finding something that I really love, the laziness, quotes, air quotes, has melted away because the passion is there. 
yeah. and sustains shit. Mm. Isn't that so interesting, though, that you had created this story mm-hmm. that you were lazy mm-hmm. and then made it fit because it was fitting in the scenarios that you were in mm-hmm. when it was an absolute untruth. Indeed. And now it's been proven to us just how much of an untruth it is that mm-hmm. now that you found the thing that just lights you up, mm. that you just want to do, you're the absolute opposite of lazy. Well, And you were never lazy in the start, but it's just... Absolutely. And something that really, really helped with that was when we had our 90-minute style session. Um... And it just it made me look at things in a different way. So all the things that I was like, well, that's shit, I'm shit, it's just shit. Actually, <laughs> when you said it's a story, I was like, oh, okay, I can change that story. That, yeah. that was made it more tangible. You read in, but I went through a phase because I was searching. I didn't know what I was searching for, but I was searching for some kind of resolve and all of these, uh, no, not all, a lot of the self-help kind of books I was reading, it was so nebulous. It was so, I didn't read anything at that point in my working on myself that was saying, this is a story, just you need to change your story. It was, um, there was lots of talk about meditation. There was lots of t- talk about affirmation. But if you don't understand that a lot of what you tell yourself and a lot of what you see in the world and a lot of what is said about you is a story, standing there saying, I choose love over fear, it's disingenuous because it's not coming from a really, well, not even really, it's not coming from a place where you can take the steps to become deep and meaningful. Exactly. Like, that's what I love working with people um, more intimately on. Like, I'll put out my content in different ways and I've got my affirmation cards. But it's when you can go to that deeper level of everybody's individual stories, because everybody's different and shows up in different ways. We've all had different experiences. And that's when you get to the real magical stuff, because you're able to pinpoint it. That's why I say to people, um, as much as I love my affirmation cards, and they are helpful, but I encourage people to write their own affirmations as well. Yeah. Because they can tailor them to how they're feeling at the time. And then over and above that, ideally, we would have a conversation to get to the root of it. But if we're not able to do that, then at least you're doing it from a place that means something to you rather than this kind of general advice that you're picking up in a book or, or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, but I, I, I think it's really, really, really helpful. And one of your, um, I guess, mantras is that you're not broken. Like, none of us are broken. Oh, absolutely. This is something that has, especially recently, something was feeling icky to me about associating with the coaching industry. Mm-hmm. And, like, being totally honest, I think I've only said this to a couple of people before, but... A month or so ago, I was considering taking the word coach out of my bio. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it was just, I was just seeing so much online and out there that just was the antithesis of how I show up and how I am. And I just didn't want to be associated with it. And when I took the space and time to think, well, what is this? Um, I spoke to my coach about it. It was, um, it was the notion that 
everybody's broken in some way and these people are going to fly in and save them and that just jarred with me so much to the point it was like I don't want to do I don't want to be part of this yeah um and then I, I worked through some stuff and, and someone gave me a really lovely analogy because she used to be an investment banker and she was like we all know what we all think about investment bankers but does that mean I'm not going to stand up in a room and say I'm an investment well, I'm, banker. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And yes, yeah, some people are going to be like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I know I'm not like the others in my industry kind of thing. And I'm not bashing the coaching industry, but mm-hmm. there was just a disconnect for me. Yeah. Um, and I was just so worried that my uh, people out there, my women that I work with and want to work with, would see that. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've kind of worked, I've worked through that now. Yeah. And, it's got me to the conclusion of and made my message even stronger in letting women know that we're not broken. Yes. We're not. Like no. the media will try and tell us we're broken to sell us a lipstick, lipstick. or a magazine or whatever. Spanks. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is trying to tell us. Yeah. Um, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously that we somehow need improving or yeah. fixing. Yeah. Um, and so it's good to have gone through that process because it's made me even stronger yeah. in what my message is. I, I, and I think that that is really powerful and um, it's something that I'm pleased you talked about on this platform because I have noticed, particularly because um, some people jump online and become something and do it really well. Some people... Um, maybe take bits and pieces but don't go deeper Um, so you have lots of people that are calling themselves coaches or calling themselves spiritual guides or something like that and they are opening up things within people but don't have the full set of skills to be able to actively appropriately support people so what you're saying about um, no one's broken and not liking the concept of people being broken conversely I've seen lots of um, things on social media where people are talking about a constant working on yourself a constant um, uh, trying to get to new levels of success whatever that means which it's fine we're human beings nothing is stagnant it's a constant evolution, but the notion of constantly working on yourself is almost like you're just never, ever going to be good enough. It can be mm-hmm. interpreted in a really dangerous way. And then people read a bit of this, they regurgitate that, and they are selling, holding space for people. But what happens sometimes is they're creating really big voids. Mm. especially with um, utilising social media as a tool to communicate your message. It's so fast. Sorry, there's noise in the background. I'm having building work done. <laughs> it's all right, it's life, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, we'll, we'll, we'll carry on. But yeah, with, with social media because being so fast-paced and us also evolving with that social media fast pace. People are doing things on online online platforms. Oh, I'm doing this project. 
share your vulnerability, let's get it out in the open. People share their vulnerability, the algorithms or, you know, the news cycle propels it into nowhere very quickly. So people have shared something that's made themselves feel really vulnerable and there's nothing there to scoop them up afterwards. Mm. It's just um, out there. And what I like about yours is that you give people that you're working with, whether it's via your free community on Facebook or one of your pre- paid programs or just the content that you share there are real tangible things that people can do to support them with that stepping into their light stepping into Mm -hmm. their true selves and when I say stepping into their light I don't mean that kind of um everything is oh so positive I mean what I mean actually is stepping into their wholeness and in that wholeness you can appreciate the light and you can also accept the dark Mm-hmm. Um, and, and move through and you talk a lot about journaling being your jam <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about journaling oh journaling well for me I was journaling before I knew what journaling was mm-hmm. and then I embarked on this one and I was like oh that's what I've been doing so I used to write a diary like lots of us did and then I used to write the diary to myself. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. One day, my best friend and our like teen boyfriends of the time found it. The and boyfriends? The, yeah, we were like 17 years old and um, they found it and they were like, they could not stop laughing because it was like, dear Nicola, from Nicola. Of course. Who else? <laughs> they were like, oh my gosh, you're actually crazy. Um, but what I realise now is that That was me moving from my diary to journaling where I was talking to myself. And I'd recognise even at that age that I needed to have a conversation with myself. Um, And it's just developed now to, for me, it's one of the, it's one of my crutches. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that keeps me um, balanced and sane and um able to kind of navigate the world I also love some meditation and I dabble in lots of things journaling is the one that I always come back to Mm -hmm. and I feel like the power in it is that you get those thoughts out of your head and onto paper Mm -hmm. and it really is as simple as that um because in our heads it's like a whirlwind like a mishmash of stuff and the, the clarity that you can gain by just putting it out there or putting it onto the paper or um, releasing it yeah. just to feel better. And it doesn't yeah. have to be like a whole full moon ceremony or anything like that. Those but are good. Yeah, they're good as well. <laughs> I like those. But literally just taking that problem or that whatever's going on and just writing it down yeah. and then going to make a cup of tea or getting on with things. Yeah. There's, there's something that happens in yeah. that. I, I I can be a testimony. I remember listening to um, a podcast and um, one of the presenters, um, it's quite a raucous broadcast, but podcast even, he was talking about, um, he was basically saying people like to walk around saying that this smells of shit, that smells of shit. Meanwhile, they don't realise that they're the ones that are stinking. <laughs> and I was like, man, that really... Um, Everything's going on. Did you just hear that bing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you're in demand I'm in demand um but yeah and I just thought bloody hell there's a common don there's a common denominator you see all these posts about cutting people off and um, new year whatever well not even necessarily new year but externalizing cut negative people out negative energy sometimes we've got to be real we're the ones who are the negative ones and journaling for me was really useful in identifying <laughs> sorry i've just got to ask the builder to stop whistling one second <laughs> this is a good whistler though Sorry, um, I'm on a Skype call okay. and I can hear your whistling. Oh, sorry. I know you're really happy. <laughs> Thank you. Can we turn that off? No, 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 that's fine. Because we've done it in five minutes. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was just the whistling. No problem. Thank you. I love that. That was some whistling still. Oh, my gosh. They were supposed to have finished and then it rained, so they've had to come back today. <laughs> This is the reality of working from home. Yeah, exactly. But what I was saying about the journaling is that um, it can create the opportunity for you to really have a look at what's going on and identify patterns. Um, so there have been occasions where I have felt that um, I'm not able to share things because I was scared of somebody's response. But when I journaled it, it was because I was scared to allow myself to enjoy this thing whatever it was or experience this thing and therefore I decided that because one time when I shared something with somebody their response mm -hmm. wasn't what I had hoped it would have been or that I wanted it to be at that time I decided that that was it then mm. I've got to muffle I've got to contain um and if I hadn't put that on paper, I wouldn't have been able to identify that because it was just a loop that was going round and round exactly. and round in my head. Exactly. And that's what I love about journaling as well. It's almost a self-coaching tool. Yes. So I'm all about, like, as much as I love what I do, I don't want anybody to be relying yeah. on me in that kind of way. And so I'm always wanting to give women stuff that they can do themselves. Yeah. And journaling is a is a self-coaching tool it can be absolutely and you used it in just that way yeah okay and then with the the journaling which is a really great self-coaching tool that can then enable you to access things like um affirmations mm -hmm. so affirmation cards are part of your merchandise um and they're all really powerful um they're really pretty actually well i've known that for, i don't know what i'm saying actually they're, they're really gorgeous cards and they um have got really beautiful affirmations firstly tell us about the power of affirmations and secondly why you chose these affirmations or how you came to create these particular affirmations Okay, so first of all, the power of affirmations. Um, an affirmation is simply a statement that we're making about ourselves or our situation mm -hmm. to ourselves. So essentially, we are affirming all the time. Mm -hmm. It's just that for a lot of us, it might be that we're affirming on the negative side. I'm lazy. 
exactly i'm lazy i'm not good enough i can't do this so and so is better than me um and those are often happening unconsciously yeah that voice that inner critic is is telling us those things and affirming them to us Mm -hmm. and the point when i realized that this was happening to me that this was my default and that it didn't have to be like that so I thought that everybody had that voice inside their head all of the time and that that was normal. And when I started on my self-discovery journey and kind of discovered like affirmations and all of the rest of it, I was like, it doesn't have to be this way. Mm. And that was such a revelation for me. Um, and I was actually speaking to a coach and I, I was like, what, don't you have that in your head all of the time? And she was like, no, not always. <laughs> what (laughs) and so when I was like right okay there's something here um and then I wanted to to do that work on turning around that inner critic and making it more positive so instead of the negative affirming all the time making it positive um affirming and positive messages Mm -hmm. and turning it from an inner critic to an inner cheerleader Mm -hmm. So I'm not like delusional thinking that that's what um, affirmations are just turn us around like that. A box of affirmation cards are just going to make us think positively all the time. <clears throat> it's about that. But it's being able to make it more the inner cheerleader than the inner critic. Yeah. It's to let women know that you don't have to just have this default inner critic voice. Yeah. Um, and that it, you can turn on the positive one. And it so does that's... create shifts. It, I, I, well, I think, I think if you're really stuck in a place, because I don't want people to think that I'm saying that affirmations or any of what we're talking about is the panacea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do need something a bit deeper. You do need something a bit more specialised. But once you get to a place where you're able to start being aware of the stories you're telling yourself... You know, it's, it's like having an addiction, isn't it? The first mm-hmm. step to recovery is stepping out of denial mm-hmm. and accepting that there's something that needs to be addressed. So when you're at that point, it can really assist in creating shifts. And they're small shifts that happen every day, every hour, every whatever that lead to or can lead to if you're willing to do the work to long term change. And the reason that I'm saying it like that is because you and I spoke about um, morning routines, for example, and I would year in, year out, fully well knowing myself, say, right, I'm going to do uh, this YouTube yoga, do my sun salutations. I'm going to do this. I'm going to meditate all before my daughter wakes up and I've got to start preparing lunch and all that sort of stuff. And I might have done it two days in a row if I was lucky. I never, ever did it. And one of the things that you said is that, um, I can't remember exactly, but it was about keeping it simple. Um, And all those little things, and it was real alignment, synchronicity. There were so many things that were happening around me that were talking about stripping back, keeping things simple, Um, which is a huge part of the ethos of the 360 brand. So you were talking about um, taking one step and doing that, a small step that you can Mm -hmm. do every day, because that repetition is what really um, solidifies things. So one of the things that really um, helped me 
in that sort of um, morning practice to set up your day, you were talking about that inner critic, those limiting beliefs and whether or not you would speak to your best friend like that. And one of my most used of your cards is um, today I will be my own best friend. Mm. I'm sure that's what it says. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Tell us about being your own best friend. Oh, this one was just, um, I love this affirmation so much because when you're in the thick of it, it just brings you out of it and allows mm-hmm. you to have that perspective because we all know how we talk to our best friends, mm-hmm. yet we don't cut ourselves the same slack mm-hmm. or so show ourselves the same love. And when you're just talking to a woman and saying, oh, you know, be kinder to yourself and all of that kind of stuff, it's it's good but it it's like yeah but how can I do that yeah. when at the moment I'm so frustrated and pissed off with myself yeah I kind of wish I was someone different yeah. like all of those things so if you can it's um in NLP it's called a pattern interrupt mm-hmm. so it's where you can go in and actually just change the flow so sometimes a pattern interrupt might be where I just randomly say oh the weather's nice isn't it and it's completely different to what we've been talking about yeah this affirmation acts as a pattern interrupt because it stops that flow because you suddenly then go to your best friend yep. where you're like, oh, yeah, oh, I love her. Yep. And then it goes to actually, how does she talk to me? And then you can reframe it to I've actually put myself in her position yep. and have that kind of being able to observe that 360 view. Yes, yes, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's what... That's what I absolutely love. It's a re- it's an affirmation that really resonates with yeah. lots of people, and it's yeah. actionable. Yeah, it's something you look at it and you can choose to take action. Yep, a hundred percent. Because we know our best friend's flaws. We do know our best friend's flaws, yeah. but we're not going to sit down and um, really chip away at them and really go on and on and on about those flaws. Quite often, you'll be like, "Yeah, this is that, and that has happened," but. You can, you will, you have, you're good at. So it's all that sort of stuff, which really is, I'm using the word easy, but it is easy to apply um, because you know how to do it. Most of us have got or have had a best friend. So you can just think about those conversations (laughs) and be able to apply it, which is really, really, makes it really real, really meaningful. Mm. And that's really what I wanted for all of the affirmations. When I was sitting down designing them, it was kind of like, well, which ones do I use? What do I need? And knowing uh, the kind of woman that was going to use them as she navigates life, what are the messages that are going to help her? And I see the affirmations almost as mini decisions. Mm -hmm. Yes. You take that decision to hold that card and you take that decision to try and evoke that feeling yes as you're saying that card you yeah. you make the decision to repeat it um and you make the decision to to act upon it so I was kind of like well what are the mini decisions that she could take to help her yeah feel better yeah. And, and how create- did that come to you because I know that sometimes you're on one and you might have had a really good meditation or whatever and you come up with 101 journaling prompts <laughs> in one night like you know I know why you like coffee so much you need it because like many of us who have quite creative brains I think that 
nighttime is when it all comes out to play. But how did these come to you? I know that you just said you were talking about thinking about what um, the women you're designing them for would need. But how did it come? You know, I will go on and on and on and on about this one because it has been so mind blowing for me. Mm. It's okay for me to have everything I want. That one what was it? A pattern disruptor. Mm -hmm. That was a huge pattern disruptor. I come from a background where you need to be qualified. You need to be experienced. You need to, to be brutally honest, prove your worth. You need to continue to prove your worth, to continue to be worthy. Value is attached to what you have done and what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've really grown up and embodied the sense of well, I can't have that because I don't deserve it. Um, I can't want that because I don't deserve it. Or I can want that, but I'm not even going to allow myself to think of the possibility of me happen- having it because I haven't earned it yet. Yeah. Whereas actually, I have a right <clears throat> to want what I want. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, exactly. At my big, big age, I didn't know that. No. And I think it was looking at those stories of the women that I was around mm-hmm. and speaking to and saying, it's almost like now I'm so attuned to it. When I hear people doing the kind of negative affirmations, mm-hmm. in my head, I'm clocking that. Yeah. And that's almost like, well, we can turn that around. And in yeah. our, that conversation, I won't necessarily tell them to that to them because they don't always want to hear it. And yeah. I'm not going to coach uninvited. Yeah. Um, but I am clocking that to use <laughs> in my content later on. Yeah. And that one is such a, a common one in terms of we a lot of us don't feel like we can have everything we want and it comes from childhood and I know I can feel myself doing it with my own daughter it's she wants ice cream and a cookie and cake for dessert and I say no and she says why not and I'm like well number one it's not good for you but you can't always have everything you want because of the way that I have limited myself sometimes I think bloody hell I'm going overboard So I will say to her, you can't have this or you can't have that because it's unhealthy. Um, But I really do try to frame things in a way so that the reason she isn't having it is a choice. Mm. If you get what I mean. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so that she is constantly like the other. Well, quite often I'll say to her, you think you're so cool. And she'll say, but I am. And she's not saying it in a really like bullshit way. She's just like but I am. I am cool. Yeah, yeah like literally. And mm. sometimes it bites me on the bum because I will say, you know, so-and-so isn't doing whatever. And she'll say, but I'm unique, I'm me. Mm-hmm. So it can be quite, but I, yeah. I have lots. Of, and sometimes I think, pull it back, just allow her to be. Because when you think like this, you know that there's a hidden message behind almost everything. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite difficult. But yeah, in, And I think, you know what, I think, helps as well when you've got the intention when you know your intention so when our when our parents were telling it to us it's because they believed yes didn't they deep down they believed that we couldn't have everything we wanted especially as um children of immigrant parents um come to this country relatively recently they believe that to their core totally totally (laughs) so at least I know when I say, and I try not to say it to me, but when I do, I know that my intention is coming from a place yes. of ice cream, cookie and cake is just not going to yeah, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's a different... I want that too, love. It's a different thing. It's <laughs> yeah, not... 
ideas above your station kind of thing yeah exactly so I I, it's so hard when you're doing this work to to not beat yourself up especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to parenting and thinking oh my goodness I'm instilling all these stories into my child yeah but I think it's when you've come to it with that intention then that that shines yes that shines through as well but I know what you mean about it coming to bite you um because I always say to my daughter Mia that you can you can be anything you want to be and she's constantly saying but I can be anything mummy and I, I can when I'm trying to get her ready for school <laughs> you can be anything but late for school okay <laughs> I can do anything and I'm like yeah but sometimes we need to contain it just a little but I think also it's quite interesting because when you the concept of I can have everything I want, maybe because we live in a capitalist society, quite often people associate that with neg- um, negative, associate that with, look, see, Freudian slip, slip. People associate that with material things. And there's a part of me that does believe that material things and excess is negative, Um but when I was a when I saw that card, rather than it making me think, right, I can have that mulberry purse, I can have these red bottom shoes, it made me think, what I want from life, I can have it. Whether that is I have a life whereby I feel at peace, whether it's a life where I build a foundation of contentment, um, for lack of a better word, it it spoke to me in a really spiritual way because even those things I had denied myself because I had to be busy. I had to be juggling. I had to be hustling. Mm. And a lot of the time I was hustling against my own nature, against my own will. Um, And in doing the work with you, which came at a time where there was lots of other things going on emotionally, mentally, and I was really able to have a look at things what I found or the underpinning feature I found was complication. So that whole being busy is a complicated thing. Hustling is a complicated thing. Pushing through is a complicating thing. And so that was my common denominator. And when Mm. I was looking, you know, quite often the people you have around you are mirrors yeah. Quite often my mirrors, I could see, gosh, you're complicating these things. It doesn't need to be that way. Mm. And that's why when we talked about the word of the year, my word of the year was simplification. Because I just thought I just need to simplify my shit because mm-hmm. in making things more simple, I created the space to be receptive to the journaling and making time to doing the journaling to the affirmations and actually... I've said affirmations loads of times, but actually making sure that I was connecting with the affirmation Mm -hmm. and feeling it in a really deep, profound, bottom of your gut kind of Mm -hmm. way was all through simplifying things. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you about simplifying things, simplification. What does simplifying, when I say the word simplify, what comes to your mind? For me, when you say simplify, it is all about being intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am a mom, <laughs> I have business mm-hmm. and all of like the normal stuff mm-hmm. that, that women have going on. Um, and so 
when I hear simplify, I think, okay, how can I simplify things? Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's an element of being able to take away, but with what's left, it's about being really intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I am in in intention and I'm being intentional, then I'm able to be discerning Mm -hmm. about how I'm spending my time. Yeah, that's been a big word for me, discerning, discernment. About how I'm spending my time, who I'm spending my time with, what it is that I really want. So that's mm-hmm. what I love about what you were saying about that affirmation. I can have everything I want. Yeah, your mind might, I mean, my mind, first of all, always goes to the material things. But then when you started to do the work, you're like, actually, I can have everything I want. If what I want is to feel contented, yeah. if I want to feel fulfilled, yeah. then that beautiful car isn't my only route to be to fulfillment. It's probably not the best route. To it's a fleeting moment. Yeah, exactly. What's the best route to fulfillment is doing things that, make me happy and mm-hmm. spending time with people that make me happy mm-hmm. and doing work that makes me happy yes. so all of it, it kind of links back to um being conscious and I'm really about women not sleepwalking oh girl so mm. for me that that word simplify it just I love it because it lends itself to so many yeah. different things yeah but for me it's about being awake mm-hmm. so in it's funny isn't it because that over complication is that a word Over it is now <laughs> it Have is I now the dictionary? <laughs> is it shows up in so many different places so it can show up in that idea that you had yes. that was stopping you from taking um motherhood reconstructed and making it yep. a thing yep. even though it was there for yep. you like on yep. your heart for so long yeah as much as it can overcomplicates us in our daily lives in how we feel and how we everywhere navigate yeah yeah that's what I love so much about what you're doing with live 360 honestly that's what I I love because when we can change one part of our lives it has a ripple effect absolutely and so you being able to help with our wardrobes might seem like oh you know it's just clothes it's never just clothes number no one. but it's, it's so much it's more clothes, yeah but me being able to look in my wardrobe and picking up clothes that I love yep. and making it simpler for me yep um then helps me when I sit down at my desk and yep. what am I going to do and the yep. way that I run my household and parent and just life and how I feel it just helps to make everything totally so some people might look on the surface and think well that's quite frivolous or that's such a a western sort of concept but the idea is that you spending less time thinking oh gosh I've got I want to wear this skirt I've got to find a top what am I going to wear with it you that time could be poured into doing something that will contribute to your life in a different way if you've got a complete outfit that you feel looks good you feel you look good in is comfortable and functional that just takes a chunk out so quite often you know people say things like oh I really like the idea of meditating I don't have time but if you think the amount of time you can spend staring into your wardrobe that time could be meditation People think it has to be like 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes. You could literally give your space, give your brain the space to just (sighs) for five minutes. And that will make a whole difference to your entire day. So that really, 
it just gives you a sense of joy. If you're busy being busy, if you're busy being complicated, overthinking and spiralling, how can you be joyful? You can't. So it's really um, aimed to help cut that that section out. But with regards to um, motherhood reconstructed and where I was going with... um, overthinking and just sort of um, talking myself out of things all of those things were little steps that led to a a bigger picture Um, and what what I ended up doing was without realizing shifting from talking myself out of things to talking myself into things and moving into spaces that I had not envisaged because I wasn't giving myself this finite, you know, sometimes we think, right, um, I am 18 now, I'm going to university, I'll finish at 21, I need Mm -hmm. to get a job, when I'm 25, I want to be in a different position. There was none of that. It was just literally, this is what I believe, this is what I love, this is what I want to put into the world, and whatever came, came. Leah and I did not envisage that we would be having live events or we would be having meetups or anything like that. We just wanted a blog to be able to tell our own stories. Mm. And the thing that shifted me from sitting on it for six years to actually birthing something in real life was listening to Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's TED Talk where she talked about the danger of a single story. Mm. So... That links in with all of the stuff that you do. That single story that I had told myself over and over and over again. When I listened to Chimamanda talking about growing up in Nigeria, tropics, Mm -hmm. tropical weather and reading books about snow and things like that, that just didn't relate to her story and her talk about owning her story. That's what propelled me to step forward with Motherhood Reconstructed. And again, with 360... I was looking around and I was like, nobody is telling the story of the late 30s, 40 plus woman who likes to wear Nike Air Max as much as possible and will wear <laughs> and will wear smart shoes where necessary. But most of the time she wants to be comfortable so that she can walk through life and be comfortable, but still look good. Nobody is telling that story of the 40 year old woman that has raves in her kitchen with her 10, 11 year old to 90s hip hop and R&B. Um, and one of her children's favorite, child's favorite songs is um, Candy Rain, So For Real, because we listen to that s- so much. <laughs> Nobody talks about, you know, the 40 year old mum who likes to go roller skating with her daughter and is avidly trying to learn how to skate backwards. Mm. There seems to be a really narrow, contained view of what it is to be in what I'm calling this sort of midsection of life because I don't know if it's that well it is partly that generations have shifted really quickly people are judging us by our parents and that was a very different kind of 40 I'm not going to start shopping in per una no shade to per una and actually I have bought a few bits from there let me but but I'm not going to start shopping in those sorts of places and wearing court shoes Mm. I still want to feel with what I believe is with it so Mm. I really thought it was important to tell that story of the women within our age bracket that are like us not trend-led we might dip in and out of trends we like what we like but we don't want to spend the time 
styling ourselves like that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, some people do, but a lot of us want to style <clears throat> ourselves so that we look good because sometimes that permeates inwards and then it comes back out again in a big way. And we want to be able to have our style interwoven in our lives, which have changed since we were 20, since we were 31, 32, you know. Exactly. And I think the way that life changes from when you're in your like 20s or um, early 30s is that it it starts to merge into each other a lot more. Yeah. So in terms of holistic, holistic doesn't even like cover it. It's like a blend. Yes. Doesn't it? Because work blends into social, yes. blends into uh, parenting or yeah. household. It all just becomes one big mm-hmm thing especially with social media mm-hmm. as well like I've made so many friends on Instagram and it, it all just becomes it just all meshes together especially and, when um, you um freelance and a lot of your work is using yeah the internet and groups mm-hmm. on social media and things like that exactly so not that se- like for me there isn't that separation necessarily between work and life mm-hmm. a lot and I kind of like it mm-hmm. like that yeah so and also when you were talking about the wardrobe it really got me thinking I'm trying to be more um mindful with my shopping yes. clothes shopping more recently yeah. and live 360 just it just marries into that so well I'm because so I pleased. want to, I said yeah I said to myself a few years ago that I'm only going to buy clothes that bring me joy yes and it's only in the last year that I've really started to implement it yeah so shopping has become a different experience like I used to go like I worked in fashion like I would literally spend all my wages Mm -hmm. other than my rent (laughs) sometimes my rent yeah yeah and I would have like tons and tons of fast fashion that nothingness because it was on trend yeah but the joy that I get from opening my wardrobe and seeing stuff in there that I love yeah such a big difference such, Such a big difference. I was th- I was thinking about this not so long ago because I'm about to do a um, wardrobe. Well, no, um, a uh, material goods, I suppose, detox, because I've got so many things. I've got things that I've had for like 20 years plus. I'm going to wear it. I haven't worn it. So let me just get rid of I haven't used it. And I was literally thinking I'm only going to buy what brings me joy. And if that means that um there's a coat that I need and I want and it brings me joy and it costs 400 pounds mm-hmm. I will get it not because I have um you know loads of money just just lying around and I'm not saying that in a negative way because I know that I can generate you know abundance wealth all yep. that sort of stuff but because I had that mindset of a a scarcity mindset money doesn't grow on trees and because I had the mindset about deserving things I would buy the cheaper alternative that didn't really give me much joy I didn't wear it very often so it just sat there yeah sat there because I've got a wardrobe (laughs) full of shit that I don't want and so for people who are looking at pieces within the 360 brand I know lots of people talk about you know support indies support your support sister sisterhood and all of that this might be heard by some kind of venture capitalist somewhere and think oh my goodness this girl doesn't know her ass from her elbow but I want to say this very clearly if a piece of mine doesn't give you joy don't buy it 
mm-hmm. buy something with the intention of it being something that is going to bring you joy. We are very fortunate to live in a highly developed country that has, despite you know austerity and cuts and all the rest of it, we have got good services. We don't really... The, the majority of us, not all of us, we don't really have to worry about real abject neglect. We've got mm-hmm. a health service. We've got, you know, we, we've got cushions around. Mm. So when you're thinking about your wardrobe, it should be something that is joyful. Do you know what I mean? Like we need yeah. to get our joy when we can get it. And that's why I talk about everyday joy if you're wearing an item of clothing that you find joyful you've been able to put it on quite quickly your morning has been simplified so you've been able to do something that puts you in that headspace of feeling content when you're walking to the school run if you're a parent with your child the sound of that child's laughter as you're having a conversation it will feel like I don't know. It just feels so joyful. Yeah. And you've got the space to hear it. You've got the space to hear it. You've got the space to actually look up into the sky and see the variance of clouds that Mm. are there. Mm. And those sorts of things, for me, they're the things that have made me remember that the world is real. Like all of this is real. Um, And if you're quite conscious about what you're doing, then hopefully you'll be conscious about what you're doing, conscious about what you're putting out into the world. And, you know, human beings, we are generally, even though we can be quite um, wired into having a default mode that dips to the negative, in terms of what we want to see and what we want to be seen for doing, quite often they're positive things. So -hmm. if you've got the space to be mindful, then you're more likely to be contributing well to the world. And hopefully that will have a ripple effect. Like I know since being more um, mindful, so my daughter, one day she was sitting down, she was three years old, she was playing cars and she innocently, innocently said, come on, you idiot. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's me. That mm. snapped me into being mindful because I just thought, well, if somebody is taking ages to turn right, taking ages usually is about five seconds. What is five seconds going to do to my day? Yeah. If somebody cuts me up, what is me being angry for that Mm. moment doing to resolve or bring peace? It's it's not. So, you know, all those little things are huge things. They are. And it all adds up to like, so a lot of um, spiritual people will talk about vibrations. Yes. Um, And really all it is, is just a a measure of how you're feeling, like your energy. That's all it is, really. But these small things add up to how you're feeling on a vibrational level. Um, And I'm not somebody that's saying that we need to be positively kind of vibrating all the time because that's not sustainable or achievable and just puts too much pressure on ourselves. Like if you're having a bad day, sit in that bad day. That's okay. Yeah. but whatever we can do to help us with that positive vibration. And for me, if I'm putting on a piece of clothing that I love, yeah. that sets me up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like having a good hair day, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that can help or yeah. putting on some lipstick or whatever it is. Yeah. But there is something about putting on an item of clothing that you just adore yeah. for helping you 
vibrate vibrate positively so that when you're in the car and someone cuts you up or someone's taking a long time to turn or whatever happens yeah you can deal with it totally um one of the things that I or one of the many things that um I really admire about you is that contrast between oh my goodness this is well, no, not contrast. It's that wholeness of, oh my God, this is going on really, this is really brilliant. Or actually I've got to fess up. I've been hiding and this is the reason I've been hiding. I think that that is um, really gorgeous because another thing with this sort of like spiritual work, people get deluded into thinking that it has to be, you can only think positive. If you're not thinking positive, you're going to get cancer um, and yes. all these really, <laughs> and all these, these theories that I just think deny you your humanity. We're, mm. we're human beings, really. Um, if I could ask you, aside from enabling your body to do what you wanted it to do and create a gorgeous life that is Mia and being able to t transition from a career that started to lose its meaning what else has your work your practices NLP been able to shift for you oh my goodness it feels like everything has shifted mm. um it feels like I'm able to just turn up as myself. Mm. And I know that we talk a lot about your authentic self and things, which I think is great as a conversation starter. But often it's like, yeah, but how do you do that? Mm. Or what does my authentic self look like? Um, and for me, this work has allowed me to just become comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And I think that's where being authentically you starts with, because you don't have to jump onto social media and announce it to everybody it's about you being able to sit there being comfortable in your own skin so there's like scenarios that happen to me daily um I think the two things you've named are the biggest things but there's scenarios that will happen to me daily that show me how much this work has impacted me so it could be the fact that um I'm a person who feels like I always have to rescue other people so if we're in a room and I notice that somebody is and not really interacting and talking mm -hmm. or it feels like the mood in the room is dipping I'm the one who's like okay I need to save the room yeah I'm quite intuitive so I can pick up on things and I'll dive in there but actually it's not my responsibility girl I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable I'm never going to go out of my way to make them feel uncomfortable but if it's at the detriment of myself I don't need to save the room like no one needs rescuing it's have some boundaries fine. yes exactly it's fine to have that uncomfortable silence yeah it's it really it's okay. is yeah um another thing is that not everybody has to like me i'm nodding profusely yeah. yeah so um and knowing that i will be for some people and not for other people and that's not just in a business capacity that is just life, life. yeah so if all the school mums have formed a bit of a clique that i'm not part of kind of not <laughs> well, I've, I've got friends thank you <laughs> Um, so being able to interact with friends and family so it shows up in so many yeah different ways being yeah. able to notice what you talk about that everyday joy yes. it's all kind of yeah interconnected yeah. can I add one more of course one of the biggest things is um it's enabled me to rethink the way that I look at confidence mm. and it's something that I speak on quite a bit but and I use it daily is that confidence isn't 
being able to stand up in the front of a room without sweating. It's not being the loudest person in the room. It's not never feeling scared and never kind of feeling the fear. Mm -hmm. It is feeling all of those things and more mm. and still doing what you want to do, mm. still doing what you believe you were put here to mm -hmm. do, showing up in the way that you want to show up. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the beginning, when I said I spend most of my time being scared, that was a little bit dramatic. But it, <laughs> it is also um, being able to live outside of my comfort zone. Yep. And that, that that's... Probably, that's really interesting for me because <clears throat> previously I would have, not would have, I believed that confidence was something else. So what I realised that a lot of the areas that I felt confident in wasn't actually confidence, it was a mask. So... Being able to stand up in a room and talk in front of people, I can do that all day long. Whilst it really is me, it's also my representative. Mm. And I step in and out of me and my representative. So by the time I'm into me and I'm starting to feel a bit like, oh my goodness, my representative just comes back again. Where my learning about myself and I think that that also is a coming of age thing is, was realising that I was really confident when I was able to share something that I was very vulnerable about and have a intimate conversation with somebody because previously I would have pretended that wasn't going on. So it was another mask. So... I'm really pleased that you brought up confidence. I don't know whether this is going to resonate with anybody that's listening, but confidence shows up in so many different ways for people. If you're somebody that's excruciatingly shy and moving to a person that is able to speak publicly, that is confidence. But somebody who is able to speak confidently in a group of people isn't necessarily confident. Um, but doing this sort of work and actually being aware of that puts you in a space where you're able to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, and kind of what ties it together is that you're doing things that make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Isn't it? So even if for you standing in front of a room, which lots of people can't do, mm. but you feel okay doing that, but then having that intimate conversations where you felt uncomfortable, mm -hmm. that's where you were really displaying your confidence. Big, and I think we've big. been sold this myth that confidence is that feeling okay all the time. Mm -hmm. And it puts us into this, this cycle of, well, I can't do X because I don't feel that kind of way because mm -hmm. we're searching for that feeling. Mm -hmm. But if we're doing that uncomfortable thing, if we're growing and we're stretching, then we're not going to feel like that. So, yeah, I believe it's that confidence myth. And once we get our heads around it, it frees us up because we're no longer searching for, for that mythical confidence yes. that we need to stand up in front of people, to have that intimate conversation, to press live and talk or mm -hmm. whatever it is mm -hmm. that you really want to do, but are not doing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, it's really, it's, it's such a, um, having some, space to be reflective really is so important 
I think that um, people really underestimate how valuable it is and will focus on running around or will sit down for two minutes. So oh, I can't meditate. I've got to run. I've got to do this. I'm not saying that meditation is the route to, you know, uh, utopia. But um, I think that sometimes we just really need to give ourselves time, which is, you know, re really, really valuable. And ultimately, it's just time getting to know ourselves. Oh. And I think that's what, what irks me sometimes about this self development self-help industry is that it's it's almost like it's time to better yourself yes isn't it and and the result is that maybe you'll feel a better version of you yeah but ultimately it's time just to get to know what's already there mm. and for me I love that because it's then not saying that you're broken and need to be fixed yeah it's just you're just getting to know yourself yeah. you're coming home to yourself yeah own yourself yeah rather than it being this improvement thing all the time like growth and improvement are brilliant mm. but they just it just needs to be balanced with but you're fine yeah because that growth and development can quite easily lean into hustle and the coming into yourself and owning yourself mm. very quickly shifts over into alignment Mm -hmm. and things just start dropping out of yes. like you think it's nowhere but no actually what you were talking about previously that energy that vibrational frequency you're sending it out there people have different beliefs but I fully fully am here for the universe rising up to meet you mm -hmm. so when you're putting out that energy whether it's God universe whatever that magic rises mm -hmm. up to meet that need or to meet whatever it is that you're putting out there. Um, and one of the signs can be that you then get into alignment and things seem easier, oh, right? Like, so yes. even though you might be working hard with uh, 316, you're doing lots of stuff and stuff, but it just feels yes. like this is right. Like, And things just in. keep coming, keep coming. Exactly. Why on earth did Jessica Huey contact me to say, I really like Motherhood Reconstructed, I want us to do something. And the natural flow of our conversation led to the event, How to Build a Soulful Business. We both went, well, the three of us, I'm saying both because Leah was actually ill on the day, but we went into that not quite knowing what would happen. And we did the work, we put the work in, we were intentional we really thought about what we wanted to deliver and then we left it to faith and faith came back in such a powerful way I was like yes coincidentally whilst it was a motherhood reconstructed collaboration it was really aligned with what 360 is about and there was a lady in the audience that I'd invited Leona Nicole Black She's a tarot reader or therapist, I think maybe. Um, and she's also studying for a PhD. And a lot of her studies are around joy, black joy, because there are lots of stories that are associated with um, black people from wherever doing well by overcoming adversity. Mm. There wasn't, she wasn't finding, and I would agree with that, there aren't that many stories that are centered in joy. Um, so thinking about trails of thought that are centered in our joy, something that you said to me earlier on was um, I put a post, a post on Facebook just celebrating joyful moments, um, which I would not have done 
there were times when I was doing it before, but that was quite ego based. I'll say that honestly, it was. Mm -hmm. But this, then things happened and I retreated into my shell. I'm a Cancer, whether people believe in star signs or not, I do have a tendency to retreat into my shell. And I'd worked myself up and I just thought, no, I feel really great but not in that lofty ah I'm all the way up Mm -hmm. here kind of thing Mm -hmm. it was a really grounding sense of like this is my why Mm -hmm. we do those exercises in your groups about what's your why well why 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 (laughs) narrow it down why why and I thought this is my why like connecting people creating space for them to tap into what makes them feel good and so that they can take that away and build and build and build and build Um, so tell us about what you do with a life more inspired, because I fully believe that a life more inspired creates space for women to celebrate themselves and be joyful about themselves without feeling they need to do this, that and the other. Tell us about your work with a life more inspired and anything you have coming up. Yeah, so A Life More Inspired is um, very much growing into a platform now, I'm feeling. So it's not that it's less about the coaching. Coaching is kind of one of my avenues, mm-hmm. um, kind of activities almost. But I really want it to grow into a platform that is based around creativity and wellness. Yeah. Um, and that looks different for, for different people because for some women, it will be that they've got that creative idea that they um, want to get out into the world and I'll kind of support them into doing that. And then the other side of it is the dreaming and doing. Yeah. And that's where where it really looks different for different people because the dream might be to um, launch that project, venture, business. For some, it might be like one of my clients was that she just wants to be more present in her life. So that was one of her dreams and it was about working on ways that she could be more present so it was like leaving um her phone upstairs during Mm. dinner so she could actually have a conversation with those that were Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. um but ultimately it's about helping women feel more comfortable in their own skin Mm. and sometimes even when I talk about it especially the marketing side of me gets frustrated with myself that I don't have this like epic elevator pitch one-liner um partly because it's evolving but partly because it is when you come into it you realize what it is for you yeah but that dreaming to doing sums it up because everyone's got that dream of something that they would love to be doing and it can look like different things but it's um it's really about the women as well yeah some women are gonna kind of jive with me and my vibe and some won't so and I think I'm gonna sound like I'm like some kind of a life more inspired sales rep (laughs) but I really really it's really, really had a profound impact on my life, the work that you do and what we've done together. And what I really, really, I'm saying really, really a lot, but one of the things that I value in the concept of dream and do is you do take people, if they want to, from dreaming to doing. So I've talked before about having a really vivid imagination and really living in there. So that dream that what I want, 360, that I wanted to become a reality, I didn't quite solidly know what it was. I, I knew what it felt like. 
and I had created such a vivid fantasy in my head, I was living in there. Mm. And you really helped me to get from a point where I was living it in there to I was doing it in real life with real strategies. And what I think is important for people to know is that your work is really heart-centred. Oh, it is. It's really heart-centred because you had a mastermind group, which I joined, which was fucking brilliant. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> you. And the day that you talked about it, I didn't have the money for it. I had saved money to start 360 and there wasn't money for your mastermind group. And this is what I'm talking about when I say alignment. People talk about manifesting and that really grates on me because sometimes people have this idea that they're just going to lie down in bed and keep saying, I want this to happen and it's going to happen. But when you're in alignment, you can manifest the shit out of things. Mm -hmm. So literally you talked about this and I thought I, 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 I really connect with the feeling of what this is. I really need to do it somehow I'm going to find the money. Two days later, I got a letter from a former employer saying that because I'd worked for them for under a year, I could have my pension money back. So mm -hmm. I had the money to pay you. I was obviously meant to do it. And I'd already known, as soon as you mentioned it, I knew that I was going to be one of the people on the mastermind. But one of the things that I guess was like the glitter on top of the cherry, on top of the icing, on top of the cake, was that you spoke to women that wanted to be on the mastermind, but you said no. Yeah. You could have said, I'll take you on because I want the money mm -hmm. and I want the kudos and I want this to be my calling card for the next time I do it. But you actually rejected people mm. because they weren't right. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of ties into what I said about I'm going to um, vibe with some people and not others, like as in they're going to be attracted to me. But yeah. also I know that my work is best placed for certain women yeah. and um, the different programs are best placed for certain women. And if it's not, if I believe in my heart that it's not the right thing for somebody, then I'm going to tell them because yeah. there's no point wasting either of our time. And it just doesn't, I, I judge things by if I can sleep at night mm. and if that would stop me from being able to sleep at night. So therefore I'm not, can't do I'm it. not going to do it. Can't no. Do it. No, definitely not. And I think the way that the way that I share as well is um, less of that. Go do this and go do that. <clears throat> yeah. When I'm sharing, especially on social media, a lot of it is notes to self mm -hmm. that I'm sharing because I believe that it's going to help somebody mm -hmm. else. But I very much share my everyday, the things that I'm going through. Um, like you said, like show the, the positive moments, but then showing when I'm hiding or showing mm -hmm. when I'm not feeling great. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important as well. I feel like some of my greatest impact and greatest work has been done in me just showing up as myself mm. because that has given other women permission to do the same. Or sometimes it's so easy for us to put other people on a pedestal. Oh, my gosh. And when I um, kind of earlier on when women were saying, oh, but you never have that, Nicola, or this isn't you. That's when I was like, no, things need to change because yeah. you guys need to know yeah. the rules. Yeah. And I think that's really useful, especially in this day and age of social media, where we have false ideas of having connection. So we really, because celebrities, um, people who are quote unquote successful, because we feel like they're so accessible, we put them on a pedestal 
And then there's this culture where the moment they do something wrong, they're dragged on social media, they're cancelled. And you're like, but this, this is a person. This is what humans do. I'm not talking about people who spew hate, but people make mistakes. People think one way and then they do some learning and they think another way. Um, I think that that can be really, it's really important for us to show up in a, real, a well-rounded way, not in a way that leaves us vulnerable, because then we encourage others to do the same. I just want to go back. Um, a lot of the work that you do is very intimate um, and to be able to chip away at negative thought patterns, limiting beliefs, you are exposed to perhaps negative energy or quite emotive talk, quite emotive uh, vibrations. How do you take care of yourself what is your self-care practice I'm very um conscious of about of that so I'll uh manage my boundaries yeah through my diary so making sure that I'm not taking on like back-to-back -back client calls or anything like that and that I've got space around it I also have done my Reiki level one okay. a couple of years ago so I don't practice it on other people, but I will do it at home mm -hmm. and on myself. So I will um, create like a Reiki bubble around myself, just energetically mm -hmm. to protect myself. Um, and just making sure that I, I create a container almost. So that's what I see as when I'm working with someone, I've created a container mm. so I can hold that space. But mm -hmm. that's what it is. It's a container. It's mm -hmm. not me necessarily. Yeah. I can pour myself into it mm -hmm. but it is a container that is separate from myself so then I can then take myself and be able to do everything that I else that I have yeah. to do but for me the diary management is a big part of it if I know that I've got like when we had our intensive one-to-one -one day um making sure that I had the space around it the day before the day after yeah. to do what I needed yeah. to do like my self-care is a long hot bath mm -hmm. Um, reading a book, mm -hmm. journaling, going for a walk. Mm -hmm. It's like making it fit amongst normal life yeah. and motherhood and yep. all of that stuff. Yeah. Sometimes going to the supermarket is like on my own. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Supermarket trip on my own. Yeah. I can make that into self-care if, if that's the yep. space I've got. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's just being really aware. Good, good. Is there anything you else you would like us to know? And do you have any more masterminds? Are you going to be doing any more Dream and Do? Is there anything that people can sign up for? Oh, I'm an ideas person. So the first thing is a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've subscribed and binge listened. Um, it's fantastic. The Dream and Do podcast. Um, that's about creativity, wellness, dreaming and doing. So I'm really excited about that. Um, the next mastermind is going to be launching soon. Don't have a date for it yet, mm -hmm. but I'll be continuing to run those on a regular basis. The Dream and Do Club I'm going to be uh, re-looking at as well. So that will be coming soon. And I'm also working on a workbook Ooh. that's going to be kind of a journal stroke workbook mm -hmm. that has a lot of um, the Dream and Do kind of teachings within it. Mm -hmm. Uh, which will be a lovely self-coaching tool. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, those are kind of the main... The main. So, um, you said that 
you've talked about those things and you've said that they're coming up, you're not fixed on dates yet. How can people keep in touch with you so they're aware of when these things will be happening? Main way would be signing up to my mailing list. How can um, they do that? On my website. Which like is? Mm-hmm. Um And on there, there's some free goodies as well, like journaling prompts and a few affirmation mm-hmm. um, free affirmations and things that's probably the best way okay and then it would be instagram because i spend a lot of time on the gram and what's your instagram <laughs> handle it's a life more inspired fantastic ah oh, nicola ray wickham it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on here and before you go i'm going to read one of the affirmation cards I have directly in front of me above my desk. I am designing a life I love. I take responsibility for my life and I recognise that it is a journey. I identify what I want and I make it happen. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that people can absorb that and take that with them. Every day, really. Nicola, thank you ever so much. Thank you. And I just have to say how much I adore you. Oh, Nicola. I think you are such a light. You really are. You're going to make this watery stuff. Everything that you do. And you're so generous. You're so generous with your knowledge and all the things that you kind of put out there. Mm. So I just want to recognize you for all of that. And I'm so excited to see everything that you're doing thank you very much thank you for listening to the 360 podcast you can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtag live 360 or hashtag everyday joy i hope to see you on my social media channel if you liked the podcast please like subscribe rate comment and share this podcast wherever you're listening The podcast was produced by me, Tamu Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time.